You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the last Mount Westwire football podcast. Week 7 recap. Almost a midway point, depending how you look at it, Matt. I'm Jeremy here. How we doing? How's your weekend going? Uh, well, been better. Sorry, I apologize well, to start with that. Well, well, I'll just leave it at that. Well, well is that your gift? Well, further yeah. inside. We'll get to that game later. We have a bunch of interesting games this weekend. Some surprise victories. Some interesting outcomes. Injuries. Uh, quarterback play is a big deal. Hero kickers once again. Do we need to know? Did you see? I assume you're the one who retweeted the Brett McMurphy tweet about the Mountain West dominating the Power Five this offseason or preseason. Yeah, uh, FBS high nine wins, if I'm not mistaken. So they should be an FCC, right? Just join that conference or something. Yeah, they can give Vanderbilt the boot. <laughs> oh, does it have to be UNLV for Vanderbilt though, or can it be? It a- does. I think that's I, that, <laughs> that should be how it works. Like you beat a team, and it's like you what, trade relegate, promotion and relegation and all that. Obviously, so it's like the um, I haven't seen it this year too much, but like the imperial map of the who owns what area in college football. Mm-hmm. I haven't followed it that closely this year because I know it bounced around from like Reddit or SB Nation and other places, so I'm not sure exactly where it's at at the moment. But it's just like that. So we now own Nashville and the barbecue that comes with it, right? Exactly. <laughs> there we go. But like, let's just we'll, we'll we'll get all the games. Let's um let's start with Friday now. Let's just go in order like we normally do. There's no point to mess around and change up what we do. Also, if you're wondering, we are at Anchor now. I said last week in the episode that maybe it doesn't go to your iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your tune-in podcast from us. Looks like everything's moved over seamlessly, which is nice on everybody's end. You don't have to bug us for the link to listen to it. So that's good to know. We might be on some other platforms. but And, yes, this is a new microphone. I hopefully I sound better, which um, people enjoyed. And also there's no dog to get in the way this time for me just to stop and leave you hanging there, Matt, for like nice. a minute. So because <laughs> that was probably awkward or was. But let's get to it. Let's get to Friday night. We had – what do we want to call that? The punchless bag? Punchless bowl? What do we want to say about the Rams and Lobos? Uh, can we call it the Warren Jackson showcase, maybe? That's always... If we want to go positive, which is not my thing sometimes. But yeah, 9 for 214, two touchdowns. Yeah, I think he's healthy, right? I think they missed him. Yeah, they missed... Bit. Yeah, him. What he did, Dante Wright had a what, 5 for 105. Uh, sorry, Dante Wright. I don't know where I got. I'd get like three players mixed up at once. Dante Wright. And like Nate Craig Myers had only one catch, but yeah, they missed him. And Mike Bobo was why does he always bring it? Like I had to bring it up because Patrick O'Brien, O'Brien did fine. He has this to Mexico, but what was Matt? What was his even thinking of let's maybe go somebody else? I mean, maybe it was just a way of kind of lighting a fire. I mean, like I think we talked about it a little bit on the preview podcast. I didn't really see a reason to push Patrick O'Brien like that, especially coming off of, you know, facing San Diego State, you know. Yeah. The Aztecs are going to make a lot of offenses look bad, which we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more when we get to that game later on. Um, and when you when you put him against a defense like New Mexico... Um, Let him shine. <laughs> yeah, I think New Mexico has a problem. I think that they just, just now? defend the pass. Wait, just now you're saying they have a problem? 
and and it didn't really <laughs> matter that they ended up you know they they sacked O'Brien four times, which is you know a little bit of a positive because that was something that we hadn't really seen a lot of consistently mm-hmm. from the Lobos. And they stopped the running um, game too a bit. McKenzie didn't do amazing. But when you're giving up 420 yards on just 34 attempts, that's uh, that's not good. Do you think with El Camino coming out Friday night, Lobos are occupied watching that and not prepping for this game? I guess it would help <laughs> to explain how undisciplined they were, how <laughs> sloppy saying. they were. I've not seen that yet. I'm watching Breaking Bad again, but I thought that was a good time right there just because it was Friday night, same day the movie came out. So I, I don't know. Also, what was the deal? Because like, I – didn't see, or maybe it's on me. Like Sharon Jones got to start. Only, mm-hmm. only Matt. The positives here. I'm talking. I'll go positive. Matt. Only one interception. Only one. <laughs> only one. <laughs> but also 89 yards. But also, what's up with Bryson Carroll? Where'd this cat come from, man? Former quarterback. Yes. I think it's maybe worth noting that. Um, that dude is fast. By yeah. the way, nearly 200 yards. He was the sole offense on this team essentially for the most part. Yeah, and and it wasn't even one of those things where it's you you take away the long play that he had. It was, you know, 56, he had a 56 yard run. Um, but even if you take that away, he's still averaging like, I think it was like, well, five or six yards per carry. So he had a great night. And I mean, the rest of the offense was basically just kind of a no show. Like, you know, and, and, you know, I guess maybe you should exempt Marcus Williams from that because he, we talked about him a little bit in the preview podcast. He, he did, did have well. five catches for 58 yards. Yeah. But Sharon Jones, man, he's not the answer at quarterback. Why was there a reason why Tavadi to Tuoki didn't start? Not that I saw explicitly, no. So does this change any for me, it changes very little about either team. About like the rest of the season way. Like we expected the Rams to win, Lobos not to win. Lobos aren't very good. Rams are good against really bad teams. Does that sum it up? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess so. Because we've we've seen this defense step up before, and I think you know it's it's worth noting that you know they did force New Mexico into quite a few mistakes. You know, I think New Mexico ended up fumbling. Uh, well, no, they didn't end up fumbling, but they did force an interception, and they held no, they also the fumbles. to yeah to three of twelve on third downs. Um, it wasn't a perfect game by any stretch because both teams ended up with more than 10 penalties and over a hundred yards in penalties. Yeah. Not good. But I think if, if you're trying to make the optimist's case for Colorado state in particular, it's that with Jackson back, they have their full complement of weapons and we saw them be able to move the ball, um, you know, in the early weeks when he was healthy, you know, even though the defense was kind of putting them behind the eight ball, and the defense stepped up. They made Mexico mostly one-dimensional because they just couldn't throw the ball at all. And so I guess there's maybe a, a case to be made that maybe they could create some headaches in the Mountain Division. I think there's still a lot to prove. Well, do you know who they um, play the rest of the way, though, Matt? Want me to pull up their schedule here real quick? Go for it. Next, This is an interesting one. At Fresno State on the 26th of a bye week, mm-hmm. FPI only gives them a 20% chance to win, which... I think it's a touch low, but regardless, they host UNLV. Okay. But then like the four of the last five include after that air force at home at Wyoming versus Boise state. Not easy. No, no. I mean, it's definitely not. No. And so I I think the offense has shown enough that they, they could cause some trouble. Yeah. No, I I agree. Especially like you said, everybody's back and depending what they do, it's like Nate Craig Myers comes in and if he, 
Like he took a step back just because Jackson came in right, played very well. And like McBride, all these guys had plenty of catches for 50 plus yards. Running game wasn't great, but Wright had those couple of running plays on the ground as a receiver, so he stepped in that way. But the offense, like, I was never overly concerned with the offense. Like, this game is probably exceeded just because of your playing New Mexico and O'Brien had 400-plus yards. Like, when they play Fresno, it's not going to happen. When they play Air Force, probably not going to happen. Or, obviously, Wyoming or Boise, those are top or better defenses. But they're going to move the ball. Like, like people kind of laughed at them. Like, oh, they're right. when they played Colorado – they were kind of in that game. It's just the defense let them down. They had, what, 31 points? It was just that fourth quarter, I believe, where the Buffs just kind of stepped up and pulled away. Like, we know they could score. It's just like you mentioned as well. The defense needs to show better, and it's fine. You, you play in Mexico. You force three turnovers. You get a couple sacks, a couple TFLs. That's fine. They just need to have it translate into play a better team. Yeah, and, I mean, the other thing to keep an eye on, which it, we've talked about it a couple times, I think, and it seems like kind of a running joke at this point, it's just like – way too many fumbles on offense yeah you can't do that because they're they're the they're the only team in the conference that's played seven games so far um but they have a a mountain west worst or or highest however you want to frame it they have 17 fumbles the most but it's not just that it's that they have been bitten hard by fumble luck too they've lost 12 of those including 204 against new mexico and it's you know it's to the defensive's credit that they the, the Lobos weren't really able to do much with those turnovers. But that's something that they're going to have to fix at some point. And I think it was some uh, it was something that I think it was our friend Justin Michael had mentioned in particular that, you know, Marvin Kinsey in particular has uh, he might be on pace for like a thousand yards rushing, which is good. But I think but... he was also responsible for seven of those fumbles so far, which is bad. So, I mean, I don't know that there's an easy fix, but that's something they're going to have to figure out kind of on the fly. Well, like, the rest of the way, like, okay, let's let's move off of this. Here's something I want to talk about. Bob Davey. Okay. Head coach Bob Davey, who, as people, listeners of the podcast and you have known, he I feel like he's been fired when he got suspended 30 days two spring footballs ago and not just suspended. Now openly saying, questioning his job status. He's like, like here's the it's like the death knell essentially. This that really, quite honestly, is of zero issue. Well, he says it's zero issue to him. Sorry, he doesn't. He takes responsibility. He does take responsibility for us. That's all him. But also says there's zero issue with his job status. He's like he doesn't care. No, I mean like it doesn't care, but like it doesn't concern him. And he takes full responsibility, which means I just fire him on the spot, right? Why not? <laughs> if he says that, yes, it's on me. We're not playing well. All right, who's next coach? Who do we got, who do we got next week? Like. We we already said a million times it's not a money thing, but it's like maybe it is, but it's like there's no reason he should be around. Like, what does it take to have this guy be gone? Well, okay, and so here's here's the other thing. You know, we talked a little bit about you know undisciplined, like, and we talked about Bryson Carroll and how good he was, but let's not <laughs> let's not forget the the goal line f- the snapper. goal line fumble that he you know own gold himself basically or whatever you yeah. want to call it where he, he dropped the ball at the two yard line hey they didn't pull um who was it because they got the ball back into one when they mm-hmm. scored but there was a time it was um university of utah playing oregon i forget who it was there's a former oregon duck who got kicked off the team or something ended up at utah punt return like this is oregon is really good like i don't know if it's their championship year or anything but utah was they're doing okay in the pack 12 mm-hmm. heavy favorite at home in salt lake city Partridge goes back like and this is a game where it would have been I think like it would have made it like fourteen to fourteen something close so it's fourteen seven 
He does that, celebrates, drops the ball like at the one or two. Oregon not only picks it up, takes it back for a touchdown. So instead mm-hmm. of it being 14-14, it's 21-7. And so he, this this wouldn't have been that matter of this outcome because Lobos weren't winning, but you cannot do that, those type of things. It's like, come on. It's like, ugh, I, I don't know. I just, I'm down to Lobos because they're just a bad team and they don't seem to have a plan. Like, what's their real plan? Like, when you change quarterbacks every week, they want to be a passing team. You have a quarterback who can't throw very well and is turnover prone. He's only 8 of 17. They have this running back, Carroll, pretty good, but like they want to throw. They can't throw, so they run. I don't know. It's just, it's just a mess. They seem to have no identity of what they want to do. Well, I mean, I think the plan was they bring in a bunch of Juco guys. That plan's obviously not working. It's really not. It's hard. You're not Bill Snyder. Come on. And that and that really kind of puts you behind the eight ball because it doesn't give you an opportunity to build long term. Or and then you're asking like when you do bring young guys in, so they switch back. You have all these young guys who don't have experience and aren't ready to play, have to go out there mm-hmm. and play. Exactly. And so yeah, I mean, the guys that I think that they were counting upon from those JUCO recruits just they aren't playing well right now. They've got you know we the first thing we mentioned is that they can't defend against the pass, and I think like two or three of the guys that they have back there are some of those Juco guys that they brought in. You know, Jarek Reed, Latavion Beaton, Johnny Hernandez, other guys. It just hasn't worked out. This has to be a job. I'm I'm, I'm going to almost guarantee they're, they're going to have a new head coach next year. I I think it has to happen, right? You would think so, but I, at this point I have no idea. He's under contract for two more years, if you're wondering. Keep your track at home, 2021. So if somebody takes his job, it's like, who do you get? Like, Bob Davey was in the in the press box calling games for ESPN for a decade before he took this job. That's and it worked out fairly well at the beginning. Like they had some good stuff. And then he wants to change his offense because remember he's a defensive guy. It's like, well, I'll trust this guy and the offense is not working. It's like had they stuck with what they're doing before, they would have had it's the uniqueness of why Air Force, Army, Navy teams are under triple option. Was it Georgia State or Georgia Southern, one of the two? Or Nevada with their pistol Chris Hall, why it's so successful when it's you never see it every week. Mm-hmm. Where you can offset talent by first scheme to get victories. You still need talent, but you don't have to have the traditional football talent that you need to do whatever offense you want to run. That's more of a traditional pro spread passing, typical offense, I would say, of what we see across college football, whatever that may be, just not a off the wall T bone wishbone offense. Mm-hmm. It's like who would want this job? Like it's either gonna be like Davey, a guy retired forever, which I think is a mistake. Like if they get a coach you're not getting Brian Urlacher to come by. Like, what's you know what I mean? Something like that. It's I like mean, if, I think ultimately, if they uh, do replace Davey, they're they're probably going to have to do what San Jose State had to do. Get a wide receiver and, and position the, coach, and just go the Brent Brennan route. You know, someone someone young, someone who can first you know, job recruit, possibly. Yeah, someone who can recruit the Southwest, whether it's you know Southern California, whether it's Texas. They're or right in the middle. Probably both. Yeah, they're right there. And. You know, to, to it's. I mean, it's gonna get worse before it gets better in that rate. Especially, but I think that that's yeah. just kind of what they have to do and get back to where they were two or three seasons ago. Yeah, with the JUCO guys, that's gonna bite you eventually, sooner than later. And the new coach is gonna have to full on like it can't. You can see already, it's gonna get worse before better. They're gonna get like a coach is like some. I don't even know if an OC want like it, unless it's like your first job. Like here's the thing, like. You know, Dave Rand at LSU, the oh, the DC there. He's ever been head coach. Not, I'm not comparing he'd come to Mexico. But like, there's guys, like, they'll wait and sit out a job before it's their first job. Like, usually mm-hmm. when it's, like, your first job, head coaching job, you kind of take it. 
But there's guys like with Will Muschamp when he's in Texas or Randa right now. They're kind of they can be selective a little bit. Yeah, it's they're not going to get a guy like that, even though it's their first time job. They're gonna like. Okay, let me ask you this serious question. What? <laughs> maybe it's not serious. But I'm just laughing because I'm thinking about it. We know Lane Kiffin's at Florida Atlantic. I assume, I assume he wouldn't move just because it's a better conference to go to New Mexico. No. <laughs> okay, I just want to put that out there. I don't know who they get. You're right. Probably like a QB coach, somebody who you're probably right. Brett Brennan out's the best way, but it's I don't know. And Mike Bobo, you're still not safe, buddy. You're still only two and five. Just say it. Yeah, still got plenty of plenty to prove up there, or plenty to screw up as well. If you would like to go that route, as I go yeah. negative. Next game. Let's go Saturday. The reverse Howard game. UNLV upsets Vanderbilt 34-10. to 10. Is that safe to can, say? Can, yeah, I guess. Kind of. Do we really want to call it an upset, though? Hey, Vegas said they I mean, were they, I mean, they were two touchdown underdogs, yes. Where's Vanderbilt and FSP Plus? Do you have that handy? Uh, let me pull that up real quick if you want to vamp for so, a moment. So, 34. Like, we, everybody, everybody on our staff kind of live for dead. Not even going to cover in this game. And we all knew Vanderbilt wasn't very good. But when you have a team that actually, hey, Matt, I think they sort of listened to us. They ran the ball quite well, but it wasn't Charles Williams. Well, I mean, it was a little bit of Charles Williams. He did lead the team with 24 carries. I mean, production-wise, Chad Magar had, what, 160? 116. 116, sorry. yeah. So, and then also, I guess the big, I guess the biggest takeaway for me in this game was that the way UNLV didn't turn the ball over, Outside of the one, I think just one fumble, they had multiple drives of ten plus plays to keep eat the clock. Like they had a twelve play drive, they had eleven play drive. Like like some multiple drives that were almost ten plays and ten eight minutes or so in that range. Like they had a lot of drives to just hold the ball and not allow Vanderbilt to get it. Then they could have done other things like turnover on downs, a fumble late in the game. They had a couple of chances to maybe build upon that, but that's a pretty big deal. Them holding the ball for so much of the game where they didn't allow their defense to be out there to let things happen against them. Yeah, the Commodores, by the way, in the updated SP+, Plus, which came out earlier this morning, uh, we're recording on Sunday the uh, 13th, uh, they are 94th. Does it say what they were previously or not? Uh, no, I'd have to go back and find I assume they're probably story. a bit higher. Yeah. A bit. Like, Maybe, just because you yeah. lose doesn't mean you drop, but that gives you a sense of where they're at. Like, it probably between the 80, probably at most, what, 85? Still mm-hmm. not a good team. And UNLV is what, 119 now? They're not last uh, anymore? No, they are one. Sorry, I have to scroll down again. They are 117. Oh, 117. Ask us. So, they, is you're so worried telling us it shouldn't have been a two-touchdown line, right? Is that what we're saying here? Well, maybe. Maybe not. I mean, <laughs> maybe, I think that, not. you know, if we want to start kind of getting into how UNLV was able to do it, it wasn't only that they stuck with the run. It was that they stuck with the run even in situations where you wouldn't necessarily expect them to. And 5 of 13 on third downs may not sound like a lot. It's not. But that was, I think, their best overall third down performance basically since the Southern Utah game. Wait, wait, hold on real quick. You said they converted how many third downs? 5 of 13. Two of of those were on the first drive of the game. Exactly. <laughs> and and mo- and pretty much all of them came I think within the with you know before halftime. I think the offense you know kind of struggled a little bit as the game progressed, but mm-hmm. they didn't really need to do much because the defense was also just dominant. Yeah. And I just find it funny Vanderbilt, I'm just looking at their drive chart a little bit refreshing the game. 
So Vanderbilt, fourth and one. Let's pass the ball. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? For, they have no trust in running back on their first possession. It's like, let's just uh, we'll just pass the ball fourth and one and get stuffed. They missed a field and goal. I'm the, crediting the defense, but I just think it's odd play calling. They they held them to a miss a field goal though, which was kind of long and missed. That's probably why they went for it. They had to punt. They're settling for the the one field goal they did make. But I, you gotta give the Rebels defense credit for. I don't know how good we expected Vanderbilt's offense to be, but well, I mean, I was concerned that we knew that Vanderbilt had their own really good running back, Sean Vaughn, but other than a couple of big runs, like he had, <clears throat> you know, Tripped. a couple, it was 43 and 34 yards. And he had a couple that were between like 10 and 20 yards, but overall they basically held him in check. They only had to run the, they only got to run the ball with him 15 times because the rebels were able to build a lead and they had, they had to put the ball on Riley Neal's hands. And, you know, obviously the, the big, play of, of the game was Javin White's big interception return. Mm-hmm. But this was like a team effort because they held Neal to 11 of 25 for only 104 yards. And then he got benched for Wallace. their backup, Deuce Wallace. And he was even worse. He was. The only guy was Vaughn who had like 200, hit what, hit that long catch. He had almost 200 yards of their offense, which basically everything. So, I mean, like I said, and it, it was kind of like we just talked about with Colorado State a minute ago. Like it wasn't a perfect performance. But I think that it's definitely like their best overall performance that we've seen maybe all season long, considering the opposition. You think so? Yeah. I mean, they were perfect on field goals. They were two of two from Daniel Gutierrez. You know, they got the passing game involved by setting up the run. Obviously, Maggar and Williams did the lion's share of the work. But Oblad, he was, you know, he only threw the ball 16 times, but he had 172 yards and two scores. And they were able to spread the ball around. You know, nobody had more than four targets, but it was, you know, Noah Bean who led the team with four catches. Randall Grimes had a big 63-yard catch and touchdown. Um, so it was just, it was the most balanced and I think most impressive offensive performance that we've seen all year from them so far. So quarterback situation, is it Armani Rogers' job when he comes back? That is a very good question. Keenum, Keenum Oblin did fine. He's 11-16, two touchdowns. So he was efficient and did what he needed to do. Or Armani Rodgers. Like, here's the thing. That stat line could easily be what Armani Rodgers should be doing. Like, that's what they wanted. Like, if he throws 16 times, that's fine. And then he'd probably have another, what, probably 40 to 50 yards in the ground. Something but, like that, yeah. Yeah, it's like combined. Like two, I think what I mentioned preseason, he should average. To be successful, I thought it'd be like a combo of like 225, I think it was. Mm-hmm. passing receiving like if the game plans like this that's fine there weren't too many i guess there were i don't remember if that 63 yard pass was a catch and run by randall grimes or like a deep pass i don't recall but there was nothing like down the field passing like a deep passing it was all intermediate stuff like 10 plus yards here 19 here 15 here but and really that and really that's all you need especially if you can bait the defense to, to stack the box yeah you got the middle you wide know, open because if you're getting if you're facing seven eight defenders that's really good news for the guys on the outside exactly so what do you think is he gonna get the job back when I mean I think that I think that this does a lot to improve his prospects there's still there's still plenty of work to be done but I think if they can play like this they're kind of like Colorado State where if they can finally and consistently lean on their strengths, they could create some headaches in the West Division too. So I saw somebody on Twitter this morning when we did our like 
gift tweet or whatever, somebody a couple of replies here and there. Somebody basically says, UNLV has it made. There's four wins on the re- remaining schedule. They'll get to six wins this year. Uh, <laughs> is that your first thought as well? Like, what? <laughs> well, who do they have coming up? Here's what they have. I'll give that to you. They go to Fresno State, host San Diego State. They go to Colorado State, which FPI only gives them a 35% chance to beat the Rams on the road. Okay. They get Hawaii at home. They get San Jose State at home, which they're favored slightly FPI. And they go to Nevada, where somehow they're favored even more so than at home for San Jose State by one percentage point. You know, I don't want to say no. I see, like, if I'm being optimistic, I might see two wins. That's probably the most I'd see them having. I don't want to say no, because in in taking stock of the entire slate of that that you know that we saw this week, the West is very hard to predict right now. Yeah, but I think it we can... seems it just seems like a lot of different possibilities can play out, and if UNLV can play like this. They're not even being Fresno. Even if it's even if it's a small chance at six wins, it's still a chance. There's still a chance, but really, they're not beating Fresno State. That's which is a Friday night game this week, also on the road. So they come back home and take on the road trip again. We'll talk about that in a minute. I, <laughs> okay, I'm just saying they they host San Diego State, which looks really good. Their easiest game is, I guess, San Jose. But I don't know. Rams at home, like the the games I could see them winning are probably three, and it's Rams. San Jose State Wolfpack, and I don't know if they're, and I'd say maybe two of those. Like I just, I'm, I'm confident enough that Fresno is going to beat the main San Diego State and Hawaii. I mean, I guess I'm, what I'm saying is like we knew this potential was there, and they were just kind of messing around for two or three weeks and really put themselves behind the eight ball you also to remember, get to six wins. Wait, wait, you also forget they played Vanderbilt. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. Like they, they put together. You know, three good quarters against Northwestern, at least on defense. Yes, and they, you know, even if they were shooting themselves in the foot on offense. Yeah, you know, I think the, <laughs> the the outlier, if you want to call it that, is what they did against Wyoming. But this kind of potential, this kind of game plan, is something that they could surprise people with down the stretch. So okay. you never know. All right, that's fine. You can say you never know. That's okay. I, I'm not buying it. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. So what do we got next year? Is it the is it Air Force now? Uh, no, I believe it's San Jose State uh, versus Nevada. Points, right? And maybe not the way you would have expected either. No, this game. Go read Brandon's recap. He has that up already on our website over at MWR. But it was forty-one thirty-eight. We had another um, game-winning kick by our favorite freshman, no longer walk-on kicker. Take it to victory to win Brandon Talton to win 41-38. Made all five extra points. This game was I saw it like half I kind of t- watched here and there because it was on 18 Sportsnet wasn't able to tune in streaming when I was out and about. But I kind of figured when it was 24-10, the game's over. But nope, here comes Josh Love with 400 plus yards and a couple touchdowns. And that really is kind of the story of the game because in the first half, the Nevada defense really kept him in check he threw the 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 pick six that Mm -hmm. they had in the first half and i think that he was basically complete he was completing i think somewhere between 40 and 50 percent of his passes early on and that's you know a credit to the nevada defense which we've seen them perform at a high level in weeks past like we saw them really hold weaver state down you know we saw them make adjustments to keep purdue at bay as well and those 
are teams that came into the season at least you know, ex- looking like they would be strong passing offenses. And, you know, so I think it's to their credit that they were able to create turnovers and really kind of frustrate the San Jose State offense. And it's also to their credit that they forced the Spartans to be one-dimensional too. It was, and this is kind of a, 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 con- a continuing problem that San Jose State's running into, you know, because Nick Nash, I went back and looked at the six games that San Jose State has played to this point. Nick Nash is their backup quarterback, and he's been their leading rusher in four different games. That's not ideal. And he only had three carries for 23 yards in this game. Yeah, they they, they lack a running game. Tyler Nevins is not what we thought he'd be. Only six of ten on the afternoon. Yeah, and I mean, some of that responsibility, I think, balls on the offensive line as well just not mm-hmm. getting enough push and you know it's you know they only had two tackles for a loss but i think when you look at the fact that he and Dijon packer basically had 21 yards on 11 carries that's a fairly significant win for a nevada front that has been you know at least a little bit maligned here and there because of you know the the high point totals they've given up on occasion this year but you have to give San Jose state credit too because they. This seems like the kind of game that last year they would have folded. Oh, for sure, down twenty four ten. Porter ended up being like forty one thirteen or something. And while it wasn't necessarily his, his best overall performance, you know, Josh Love did end the game like you said with over four hundred yards with three touchdowns, and Nevada kind of had to survive the rally. Mm-hmm. It's part of you get the touchdown near the end of the game. And we're tied the game up, and then like it came down to the Spartans' defense, and Nevada win a nice seven-play drive. They got decent field position at the 31 because they actually returned the ball. Ben Putman did. They didn't just go for the uh, fair catch. They got a few extra yards there. Just moved down the field. Like It was all – here's crazy thing, too. Like, we mentioned like Tawatali finally showed up with a huge game. He had – and the Oz drive, just really quick, they just ran the ball against Spartans. He ran for 27. They had Devontae Lee run a couple times. Uh, Toa run a few more. They ran every play – Except for one on that play, they threw on third and 12 for which is weird because think about it. Third, uh, oh no, sorry, completion. Sorry, I looked at the wrong side. I thought they completely passed. They completed the third and 12 to get a reasonable uh field goal. I thought they kicked a 50 yard start as a 40 yarder. So, like, everything's run, 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 run. Then Luke Henry, who's, who by the way, making a first career start, played fairly well, got him a field goal. So, not saying defense let them down a little bit, but when Luke Henry. Gets 352 yards. Tawatoa has the best game of the year by far, 160. They give up multiple passing plays over 50 yards. San Jose State secondary didn't really play what they typically what they typically can do when they gave up nine and a half yards per pass play. Yeah, I mean this was Nevada's best overall passing performance of the year. So we got Blake Henry. Rest was, of the way. It was. I mean, I think at least for the foreseeable future, yeah. At least next week. It's still week to week, but he's the guy next week. <laughs> I would I, I would be very surprised if he wasn't. Me I think too. that, you know, in, in the same way that the, the Wolfpack defense really held Josh Love in check in that first half, that was when Henry really shined. And he, you know, he definitely got help from his receivers. Like the one long touchdown that Romeo Dobbs had was a, a very big catch and run. So, you know, Henry put it in a place where Dow only Dobbs could get it, but then he shook a tackle and basically was off to the races and things like that. But, you know, it seemed like, you know, Gene Norvell was talking before the week that he wanted a shot in the arm for the offense and between what he was able to do with the passing game and with, you know, with what that enabled Tawa to do, I definitely think he did just that. 
it'll be tough next two weeks because um, they play at Utah State and then at Wyoming. It's going to get a lot harder from here. Get ready. But you know, but you know what? You know, this was something that I forget exactly who pointed it out. Um, every team in the West Division now has at least one loss, and so this was really kind of a a stay in the race kind of game for both teams. And it's to Nevada's credit that you know they have the inside track for you know the meetings later on that they have against uh, at least San Diego State, I think, because they they lost the tiebreaker to Hawaii already at the moment. Yeah, head to head. Yeah, you have so they're, they're still in the mix, and I think that I I think it was very easy to be worried about that coming into the week. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know they're right there, and like I said, the the West looks like it's wide open. I don't think that's the case, but we'll get to that later. Four teams with one loss in the West Division. Yeah. So, all right. So, next game, let's get to your Fresno State Bulldogs versus Air Force Falcons. Who, how'd you like that flea flicker by Air Force earlier, Matt? That was fine, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> if you're an Air Force fan, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, way I, the way I looked at it was like, um, when you go back and look at the play chart, the very first play from scrimmage for Air Force, um, Donald Hammond went backwards one yard. Yeah. Uh, and then Fresno State only managed two tackles for loss the rest of the game. <laughs> Air Force ran the ball 69 times altogether. Yeah, you should have had a few more TFLs than that, just based on sheer numbers of them trying to run the ball. They basically did whatever they wanted to with their ground game, which which if you're an Air Force fan, that's like really exciting to watch. And if you were literally anybody else, it is extremely frustrating. I could see that for sure. With yeah, would they have three forty total? Sixty nine times was that six yards, five yards of carry, five plus. Yeah, and for the most part, they they weren't even doing anything flashy. Like the first thing I mentioned in my preview was stop the fullback dive. And you know, when you look at game's end, Timothy Jackson and Taven Burdo combined for thirty eight carries and basically two hundred yards. It was like one hundred and ninety between them. So it wasn't like they were doing anything flashy. The guys up front which maybe we don't talk about offensive line play enough, but they were basically the big difference in this game, those guys on the offensive line for Air Force. So what about, let's go to Fresno's offensive line. Their running game was complete opposite. Ronnie Rivers had 45 yards, and half of it came in one play. Jorge Reina was percentage-wise efficient, but not great, I would say. I think what it I mean, comes Reina was on in the first half. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I yeah. It was, that's easy that's to saying, overlook. Yeah. But I mean, he ended up being 20 to 27. My point is he was efficient. Like, he wasn't dropping passes or being incomplete passes. But no, he was, yeah, the first half he was completing everybody. Just, and it was, it was 24, 22. They're winning at halftime. It's the second half where it kind of, they couldn't keep it going. Yeah. Is that summed up for you, essentially? <laughs> second half, not so good. First half, good. I mean, it's really hard to pin it on one thing. I mean, if you just look at the number of plays that both teams ran, I think that really kind of tells the story of how the game unfolded because in the first half, it was basically dead even. Like, Air Force ran 30 plays and Fresno State ran 29. Do you want to guess how many plays the Bulldogs ran after halftime? Well, they only had four possessions. I have it right here. I could just do They ran three and out. Yeah, three plus five is eight. Plus two is 10. Plus three is 13. 13 plays. And they averaged 1.9 yards per play. Not going to get it done. Runny Rivers had one touch after halftime. Why? And I'm honestly not sure why. That makes no sense. That's why you only I mean, has... I mean, they made they made the decision to put the game in Jorge Reina's hands, which 
I mean, I guess I can't blame him because he was so good in the first half. I, I, you know, because I, again, he was 17 of 18 in the first half. He had both of those touchdowns and he had 190 yards. So it wasn't like there was, they were dinking and dunking. They were being fairly aggressive getting the ball down the field. But then he's three but of again, nine. You know, they were just, half, it wasn't really until that fourth quarter that things got away from him. So I'm just, I'm not sure what the answer is, especially if you, if the defense can't get the Falcons off the field. They scored. I don't include the one end of the half where they just took a knee to run out. Mm-hmm. They scored on every possession but one. Yeah. And they even scored a defense to pick six. So, oh, and they also ended the game with a 17 play, 70 yard oh. drive that <laughs> took the last 11 minutes of the game. <laughs> I didn't see that when I scrolled down. Oh my gosh. That. And they didn't score either. <laughs> no, they didn't. They, but they basically they let the Bulldogs bleed out. That's basically what it was. <laughs> exactly what it is. All right. First and 10, six yards. First, second and eight. Let's go for four. Third and four. Hey, we'll run. We'll get it. Eight yards. Wow. I did, I did, for some reason, I must not I bypass that. But not that it would have mattered because you're down 43-24 with 11 minutes left in the game. I assume you didn't think there's a chance at that point, just because not not no. assuming Air Force would have like a massive drive, but there was enough time to come back, being down 19 points to mm-hmm. score. So, do we know who Fresno State is now? Do you think? Because the defense clearly we thought would still be okay, but this defense is not okay when they allow 43 points and allow Air Force to basically score in every drive. Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> Are they, a bowl, they, they, are they a bowl they, team? They, I don't know. What is it? They're two and three right now. Are they going to make a bowl game? I, I still think they're a bowl team. Do I need to swap them for Nevada this week in the bowl projections? But would they you, might be They might be like the sixth best team in the Mountain West right now. Would you be offended if I did that? If I, I would not be week? offended. Okay, maybe I will just to mix it up. I'm kind of getting bored with some of the submissions I have to do every week just because. Here's a good thing, Matt. They got UNLV next week and then CSU. <laughs> so they'll be sitting at four and three pretty soon, right? I mean, you might you, you would think so. That Rams offense, though. Whew, if Patrick O'Brien, if Mark, yeah, and we and we yeah. just saw Fresno State fail to Stop contain running. a very run heavy offense. Marvin Kinsey, you got Charles Williams versus Rebels. Whew, if Armani Rogers is back, things are things are looking a lot dicier overall than they were like two weeks ago. Yeah, it's. I think they'll be fine. It's just the they also, if I recall, they have a new DC as well, right? Fresno. No, they have Burt Watts back. I it was think, the OC. That's what it was, right? Yeah. Okay. So Ryan Ryan Grubb, you know, I think a lot of people are thinking that he deserves the blame for how the game unfolded in this case. And I, I don't necessarily think that they're wrong. I mean, I think if you want to hold on to the optimist's case, like one thing that I think has, has borne itself out is that the the young wide receivers continue to, to show me something, like if, even if it might be a little bit uneven this year that there is definitely plenty of talent for years to come. Cause you know, Zane Pope had four catches, 43 yards. Emory Edwards had his first touchdown. He led the team with 73 yards. And then they just like, couldn't get the ball to him in the second half. Which give credit to the air force defense for making changes to shut him out too. It's like they yeah. figured something out outside of like holding the ball is one thing, but like I said, Raina went three of nine in the second half. You said Ronnie rivers had one touch in the second half, like your two best players barely had the ball. Yeah, I mean, they basically haven't had a game all year long where they have been able to put everything together. Yeah, this game reminded me like the inverse of the San Jose State game last year, but they couldn't come back and do it. 
And so, it, and so with that in mind, it's, it's hard to really predict what their ceiling is or what their floor is because we've seen plenty, you know, to make you think that they could put it all together. They just, they just haven't yet. Yeah. It just seems like it's there. And so it's, uh, I don't know. It's, I still think they're okay, but they're not, I don't think they're any threat to win the West anymore at all. Do you? Probably not. No. Probably not. Do you think like who they have the rest of the way? Cause they still have San Diego state. They still have Hawaii. They still have Nevada. Like, it's not easy, but do you think they could pull off like one of those better teams in the West Division, or do you think they're just kind of be sitting there at third or fourth in the West? Like you said, six overall in the conference. I mean, again, it's really hard to say. Okay. All right. Next game, the two night games. Let's start with Hawaii Boise State. Fifty nine thirty seven. That's all the points there, Matt. And the game wasn't even that close. No, I kind of dozed off because I, I didn't get to this game till like ten p.m. So I was like watching and kind of like, oh, what's going on? I'm like, oh, whatever. I'll fig- I'll watch some highlights in the morning, which I did, and read up. Hank Bachmeyer's uh, the offensive line caught up with him. He got hammered. Well, he, was, he was scrambling. Let's, no, no, let's no, not no, pretend no. like he was in the pocket. No, no, no. no. They were the tight. Eh? Yes, that play. But there were multiple times before he got leveled and crushed with basically like a missile coming at him like two to three times before he got out. And so, yes, this was a, not like him getting crushed in the backfield, but – you take all those hits, they're going to add up. And he left a game, which I'm like, oh, okay. It could be interesting because it was only, even if, even though it was 31-14 at the half, it wasn't even that close. They brought in Chase Cord, who did three touchdowns, 175 yards, very efficient type of game. They even brought in Jalen Henderson for a minute to play at the end of the game in that fourth quarter. But it wasn't that close because it, Hawaii had the two touchdowns in, sec, in the fourth quarter. Or, wait, was it two touchdowns? Yeah, yeah, two touchdowns in or whatever. They scored sixteen points in fourth quarter. Is that what they did? I'm blind here. My play chart is deceiving me. Yes, sorry. Okay. But you think of it this way. It was fifty two twenty one headed into the fourth quarter. Fifty nine thirty seven. Like watching the first half, I'll kinda of go in the right order, not bounce around too much. But like they Hawaii had the punt, touchdown, okay, fumble that kinda of being down fourteen, you know, Hawaii's kind of slowly tried to come back in. There are some amazing passes and catches in this first quarter, man. Cole McDonald finding guys in the back of the end zone, like no-name guys getting touchdowns. Like that first touchdown pass, like we talked about, Matt, like who's, who's Boise going to let them beat? They passed to a guy named Lincoln Victor for a touchdown the first first quarter. And we're figuring, mm-hmm. okay, that's where I'd ra- Boise would rather have that than Cedric Bird or JoJo Ward getting touchdowns. But it was never close. Like Hawaii was always down, like 14-7, 17-7. Then it got out of hand 24-7 because of a fumble that led to a touchdown. Hawaii couldn't take advantage when they did force a fumble versus Boise State. And it's just a couple things added up, but we said in the preview as well, like if Cole McDonald has three touchdowns, like no picks, they're probably in this game. Not even close. And well, that's what he, he had. The, but, ir- the irony is he had three that's touchdowns what I mean. and no picks. That's yeah. my point. Three, but only 251. Like he had kind of the game. We probably maybe for him to be ideal, like 100 more yards. Because he was twenty three or forty one, but no picks. Well, it, it wasn't. It wasn't just that Boise forced fumbles. It was also that Boise State was able to march down the field and score every single time Hawaii fumbled. Yeah, that's part of it too. That's the difference. Because it was it was three short fields that you know when you're mm-hmm. trying to formulate an upset bid like the Warriors were, you can't afford. You know, because the first one was a they Boise State took over at the forty one, and then they took over at, at the. Is, excuse me, the Hawaii 41. Yeah, they went 41 yards, yes. And then they took over at the Hawaii 23. Yeah. And then they took over at the Hawaii 29, and they were able to punch it in every single time. You just can't do that against an offense like this. Yeah, a good team. Like, 
that those are that is a difference in the game. Like let's just say no, even let's just say no points are scored for Hawaii. They punt. Maybe Boise gets ten points out of that instead of twenty one, mm-hmm. and he lose by twenty two points. So it's those, yeah, because I mean it's those type of things. Protecting the ball and you're right. You're when you're a team that's on that swing and you give a really good team. 20% of the field, 40% of the field to work with for points, you're you're not going to stop them every time. They didn't even stop it once. It's like, do step up and do something. Yeah, and I mean, it wasn't like you know, Hawaii did a bad job of keeping Cole McDonald up right either. No. Like, they didn't give up any sacks or anything like that. Yeah, no sacks, no picks. And just in, in terms of TFLs, like, neither team had, like, a huge amount of success when it came to, like, just pushing the offense yeah. backwards. Two each. One total sack, think- and it was done by Hawaii. But I think it's to Boise's credit that they they made those plays, you know, a, a few more plays when it mattered. You know, they had the like the slight edge on third downs. Mm-hmm. You know, they created the turnovers. They were able to they were able to better overcome penalties because this was another game where both teams had double digit penalties. Uh, yeah. And the you know Hawaii had eighty eight yards of penalty yards, and and Boise was at ninety five. But it didn't really matter. Yeah, and the total yardage could have been worse. You know what I mean? Like because you said they, all those yards was at a hundred total yards. They had to work with for three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. That's ideal. And like yes, it was a blowout. It wasn't that close, but also Boise State's defense was really good. It still gave up thirty-seven points. So we can't. I think is that the most points they've given up all year? They gave up thirty-one to Florida State. So okay. yeah, I believe so, yeah. so. So my point, like yes, it was a blowout, and we knew why I'd get points, but. If like I'm not rationalizing the victory at all because Boise did what they did to get the turnovers when they're plus three to score. While it's a blowout, it's still Hawaii still didn't like. I don't want to say Hawaii played bad because I don't think they played bad. I they, think they did. It, really, I know the fumbles, but if you if you count, well, okay, the, you, but you have to you have to kind of overlook the fourth quarter though because that's where Hawaii ended up doing most of their well, damage. I'm when the game, there. like no. if you look at the, if you look at the first three quarters and you look at like total yardage, it was. Basically, it was just under two to one in favor of Boise State. No, I get that. I'm just saying, like overall, what they did. Like you're right, it was the fourth quarter and Boise's rotating guys. And what I'm just saying is that they still put up a lot of points. And, like the reason they played poorly wasn't because of the offense. That's what I'm kind of getting at. It was not going as well as it could have been. Yes, they scored late, but they were still like watching the first half. I, I knew Boise was going to win early on, but in the first quarter, they were still. Outside of the first drive, like they are moving the ball a little bit here and there. I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to rationalize them scoring a bunch of points, but may, or maybe it's me. Like when Cole McDonald's out there, anything can happen. And it did late, but I never thought Hawaii's going to win. But they still put up 37 points, which is nice. And it wouldn't matter because let's say this. Let's just say like here's how the game kind of play. Like another way it could play out. Let's say the Hawaii doesn't fumble. Boise gets a few points. That means Boise State's not putting their backups in the fourth quarter, which probably negates their 16 points as well. So, I mean, I think that you, I think that you could say maybe the offense, because you know McDonald was 23 or 41, yeah. uh, but he was also eight of seven, eight of his first 17. Yeah, the first quarter, first they got behind quick and early because the outside of the one nice touchdown pass they had, it was like three or four plays here and there, turnover on downs, they punt a little bit, fumble. Man, I don't know, maybe I'm just thinking i don't know i'm just not thinking straight but that first half they only had two drives over five plays or no mm-hmm. one drive and does a touchdown the six play drive but and also the thing was this too like hawaii had their own chance too like they got boy state fumble turnover they don't do anything with it. they punt they get one yard of punt and so 
they had a chance here and there. You're right, though. Like, uh, the fourth quarter is what they did, but it's only because of rotating guys in or out. Boise goes for it on fourth down to kind of – like, why? <laughs> why not kick the field goal? This kind of boggled me at the end of the game. They're fourth and one at the Hawaii 20. It's like, why not kick the field goal? You're what? Is it just to crush them even more? You're up 52 to 29, and you run for it on fourth and one? They're trying to they're trying to drain the clock. Why not? You're up 29-52. You're not losing the game. <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought that was an, an interesting play call. So so here's a question that we, we, we may want to circle back to because, you know, we I think we maybe glossed over it a little bit, but obviously Bachmeyer was taken out of this game. Mm-hmm. They don't think it's going to be season-ending. I think Bryant Harson said as much in, his pre- in a press conference earlier today. Do you think they hold him out next week against BYU? The way BYU if, lost if to South Florida? To. Yeah, that's fine. That's what our buddy Raj said. He put out a tweet thread about some, which he normally doesn't do a ton of, like about six or eight tweets about it. Chase Gordon played fine. Like, they have two pretty good quarterbacks. Like, he was 12 of 18, 175. But it's kind of skewed because, like I said, the three, the short fields. So, like, had they had the full field, maybe he had 250 yards. They also brought in Jalen Henderson late in the game as well. So their backups combined for it, 257 passing yards and four touchdowns. Pretty mm. good. <laughs> so the way BYU's played, they lost to South Florida. They were leading and lose to a bad South Florida team. It's at BYU. It is a, a late game next Saturday night. I think they're fine to play to have uh, Bachmeyer on the bench and bring have Chase Cord be the starting quarterback. Because BYU themselves doesn't have their main starting quarterback. Zach Wilson's out. They have Jaron Hall in there. BYU's also lost their starting running back a couple weeks ago, Tyson Williams. So the running game's iffy. It's not bad, but it's not what it was with him. Apparently, I don't think they need him to play to beat BYU. Apparently BYU is only a two-and-a-half-point underdog right now. And if I were a Boise State mm. fan and I were still in Vegas, I would jump. Raj, get to Vegas. I would jump on that immediately. Are you seriously? Two-and-a-half? Yeah. No, that- Boise, Boise State minus two-and-a-half. Who do I know in Las Vegas? I could text really quick <laughs> because I have no idea that. Are you where are you looking? I'm Odd Shark Vegas Insider. Oh, I was just, I saw it on Google. I saw a headline. Hold on, I wait, I'm gonna double check here. Not that I don't trust you, but that just seems wildly irresponsible. People in the desert to make that type of bet. But what about you? Do you think they should go to Bachmeyer or they should stick with Cord? If Bachmeyer no, I mean I'm there? with you. I've I think that we all kind of knew. The chase cord was going to be pretty good if if they had decided to go in that direction to start with, but I think if you know everybody knows Bachmeyer is not only the present but the future of this program, and so I think that they have every right to kind of preserve that future as best as they can because they're going to have a talent advantage over BYU regardless. All right, I right, here's what I found out. Okay, Vegas Insider has no odds listed as of. 2 p.m. Mountain Time, 2.12. I assume you saw Circus Sports. Yeah. Over at BYU Sport, Cougar Sports Insider 24-7, guys. I have no clue I have no clue what a Circus Sport is. There's no way they're only two and a half point underdog. No way. Like, if I'm going to put my own fictional line, it's, it's at BYU. To get action, I would be confident of saying probably like Boise on there would be like plus eight. Okay, so I went and I looked uh, at Odd, Odd Shark. Okay. Uh, Odd Shark has Boise minus six and a half. Apparently, Vegas Insider is five and a half on the same article. That still seems still low, right? Yeah, I would probably still jump on that. 
I, I'm being totally honest. I would be extremely confident at 11 points for Boise State easily. I would not hit wink. If we were to get to two touchdowns, then I could see that because BYU has a couple defenders. They can run the ball reasonably well enough. But both those are low, right? I think so, yeah. <sighs> oh, also, by the way, BYU's quarterback got hurt late in the game. Jaron Hall was out as well. I forgot about that. They brought in some descendant of Mitt Romney to play quarterback. Not mine. It's like they have two Romneys on the team. I forget which one it is. One receiver, one's a quarterback. Or I'm wondering if Vegas, like, oh, Boise may have their backup quarterback. Who's this Chase Cord guy? They're fine. But uh, two and a half is laughable, right? Yes. Five and a half, six and a half, I still think is laughable. Any other thoughts on this game at all about Hawaii is just a step below everybody or a step below Boise State? I think we're good. They were good. All right. Next, final game of the weekend already. Wyoming, San Diego State. I had my favorite play of the weekend, Matt, which we discussed offline before. Go look at our Twitter, MWCY. There's a weird running jump pass that was oddly successful for like 15 yards. Just go look and see. It's kind of unique. Whatever works, right? It worked. This game was amazing. This game was good. But the funny thing is I watched it again like on the um, YouTube for the uh, condensed game. Matt, the first two and a half minutes of the condensed game, which you would think would be the best of the best, there's they showed like four punts. <laughs> that does not surprise me. It took a little while for these teams to it get did. going. It, it was only it was only three nothing after the first quarter. I know. It was just funny. I'm like, this is your best place. I was expecting one was a pretty good play because it was a nice Wyoming down to that the one. They made a good play to down it. And but one was like a fair catch. I'm like, okay. I'm like, whatever. It was just kind of ironic, but not when you think of these two teams when the highlights are four plays or punts. So should we start with uh, Sean Chambers, five of fourteen, one oh nine? I they don't have a quarterback, Matt. Wyoming does not have a quarterback. Oh, I don't know about that. A passing quarterback? I mean, we've talked. About, I feel like we we talk about this all the time when we talk about the Cowboys. I like, know, but five of fourteen. Come on, put them in a like play. Their, their ceiling is going to be defined by their limitations. But yeah. what I think is what I think is most interesting is that you know, the way they were able to have success in the first half against this Aztecs defense is by it basically was by running the football. That was how they basically got down the field, which for we the most know part on both of their uh, early touchdown drives. That's the case. But second half, San Diego State figured it out. And yeah. three and out, three and out, three and out. Then a ten play touchdown drive and two point conversion, and then an interception to end the game. And that's a and that's really a credit to the Aztecs defense. Oh I yeah, think. they yeah. because you know one, I, I wanted to really kind of break down how successful Wyoming was because I think we both agreed that one of the things that was kind of define this game was you know not necessarily breaking out against the Aztec defense, but but just doing enough to keep the chains moving. And so when you look at the chunk plays that they had on the ground, you know, the the, the Cowboys had four plays of over 10 yards, you know, 14, 26, 11, and, and 21. One thing that's worth pointing out is that all four of those plays came in the first half. And the other thing that's worth pointing out is that outside of those four chunk plays, Wyoming had 35 of the carries that combined for 2.4 yards per carry. And against that Aztec defense, that just wasn't going to get it done unless Sean Chambers was 
was going to be more efficient as a passer. Hey, and Matt, he, he, was, he averaged 20 yards per completion. And they did have four <laughs> chunk plays through the air, too. Yeah. So, like, they were averaging 20 yards per completion, but that just wasn't enough. No. Like, the defense played fine. They had six TFLs. Like, Jordan Washington had just that one big run from the basically their own goal line, essentially, to pull it out there. He mm-hmm. did what he did last week, 84 yards and 23 carries. Ryan Agnew threw more than we thought he would, and his passing game was quite – hit probably his best game ever passing, or maybe even best game is at, of an Aztec, 251 yards total. Okay, I'm going to throw this question out there. What do you got? Is Ryan Agnew playing at an all-conference level right now? Ooh. So all-conference, you mean top two quarterback? Yeah. Uh, hmm. And the reason I ask, I'm leaning is, no, but it's maybe not super far off. Well, and the reason I ask was, and if you don't follow us on Twitter, I had put out there. I think it was a few days ago. First off, do uh, it, please. <laughs> yeah, Pro Football Focus had put out their kind of their re-rank mid-season of the top quarterbacks, one through one thirty. I didn't buy him being was he thirty-eight or something. He was in the top 40, yeah. I think he was behind only Cole McDonald, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to – yeah, I'm going to put out there what he's done so far this year, which includes yesterday's game. You know, he's completed 64% of his passes. Good. You know, you know 6.6 yards per attempt is – you know, it's not worth writing home about. But he has yeah. nine touchdowns against just two interceptions. Yeah. I mean, that's better than what they were getting from Christian Chapman a couple years ago when Chapman was healthy. Yeah, but Chapman wasn't even all-conference quarterback. And that's what I'm saying, though. When you when you look at the field and what everybody else has done to this point. I would say no because here's my thinking. Like, who's played? Like, we Hank and Bachmar's hurt, but we, let's not count that at the moment because he played through now. I like maybe I should start my quarterback rankings again, which I've threatened to do before, but I've not done it this year. Besides once, I think I would put like above the quarterbacks: Cole McDonald, Hank Bachmeyer, Josh, and Jordan Love above Agnew. He's middle of the pack quarterback. He's an upgraded version of what Aztecs want at quarterback, which is slightly above average. I don't know, man. I Who's just he, think is he better than Josh Love? Is he better than Josh Love? Yeah, or Jordan Love? I think he's been more efficient than both of those guys. Yeah, Jordan Love has has eight interceptions on the year so okay, far. Okay, that's fair. Like his interception rate is way up. True. I'm just saying, like if he's a better version of Christian Chapman and he's given this offense exactly what he need, exactly what it needs, rather. It, this was not an you know an easy defense to face off against, and he no he was, did very well. Yeah, and he was you know not necessarily the most explosive thrower but he did have five plays down the field of more than 15 yards and he was a really key component of their ability to convert on third downs like they had a slight advantage on on the cowboys in that regard and when they needed to do you know third and long or even third and mid he was you know i would say he was successful more often than not they really put a lot on his plate to get that done and he was six of nine on third downs you know, with the uh, three first downs, he was you know getting the ball down the field in those chances, and that's not easy to do against a team like Wyoming. No, but like the other guys, like who would you rather have, Cole McDonald or Ryan Agnew? Cole McDonald, Hank Bachmeyer, Agnew, Bachmeyer. Even I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like he's not all know, conference level. That's where I'm getting. I don't think he is. 
Honestly, but, I think at this point I might rather have him than McDonald. I don't know. Let me ask you this. Raj posted a question on Twitter. Twitter I just pulled up. He, because I mentioned, he said like, "Hey, put Chase Cord in there instead of a Bachmeyer if health is no issue." He thinks Chase Cord is a top five quarterback. So here's a good example: Would you take Chase Cord or Ryan Agnew as your starting quarterback the rest of the season. Well, I mean, Chase Cord's kind of a big unknown at this point, though. I mean, I think he's got talent, but it's hard to it's hard to make that decision just based off of one game. I know. I'm just going off his question. He goes, in my mind, he's a top five QB. I don't know if Chase Court is a top five QB. We'll see. So that means he's probably saying McDonald, exclude Bachmeyer because of his outs. Probably McDonald, both loves, maybe Agony right there. I don't know. I mean, I just would think when you, when you consider that, Air like Force you said, Juwan Washington had exactly one big run, mm-hmm. right? And, and you take that away, and what did the running game really do? You know, Washington, even with that run, he only averaged 3.7 yards per carry. And Agnew had 42. I know, I get it, but I'm just saying, you're saying all conference. That means he's a top two quarterback, and he's not a top two quarterback. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the more I, the more I see, and like the more plays that he makes, and I think this game, maybe more than the rest of the schedule so far, has really kind of helped build his case. No, I agree. It makes him look really good to beat this defense, but... I would still take a couple of guys before him. Like, that's all I'm saying. Like, this was a great game versus a very good defense. But we could disagree. That's fine. We don't disagree on too many things. I was very passionate about it. But I I put him maybe middle of the pack. So if he's better than Christian Chapman ever was, that's a good thing for San Diego State. They don't – And, I mean, and, then to, and to, this point in the, to this point in the season, and I think maybe it's worth noting that they – kind of like the first half last year, you could make the case that – They've still kind of led a charmed existence mostly to this point because it was mm-hmm. they had the one score win against Wyoming, they had I mean, you know the ones and they they haven't been quite as overwhelming on offense but just they, yet. But they never like they're, are. They're trending slowly in that direction, and I think it helps that when you look at their own schedule over the next month or so, you know they they go to San Jose State. They go to UNLV in back-to-back weeks, and then they come home and they face Nevada and Fresno State. So they could wrap up the division by Thanksgiving. Yeah. They, and, they're, they, and they already have the inside track, you know, because they're 2-1 and one in the division, 5-1 and one overall. They're getting votes in the top 25. And I think that when you when you consider the the defense, which, you know, for me, I, I pay close attention to, to SP Plus in particular – when you look at teams and what they've been able to do both on offense and defense, I feel like the defense in particular and, you know, this game against Wyoming, I think is the most impressive evidence to that point. They are like the trump card in that division because they're still, I think, 22nd overall on defense, which is, if I remember correctly, it's like 20, 25 spots better than any other unit offense or defense of, among any other Mountain West team. So I think as long as Agnew can keep playing at this level and the defense can keep playing at this level, and there's really no reason to think that they can't, you know, they look like the odds on favor to win the division. And I underestimated them in the preseason, I think. I think we all did a little bit for San Diego State, right? I mean, I thought that the offense would be more of a hindrance than it has been. And it's slowly coming together. And, and I think Agnew's just been the biggest part of that. No, it has been. Also, 
I think part of it too with Washington being out, they've had to rely on him, rely on him a touch more than they wanted to probably, and that's maybe, helped yeah. helped him grow a little bit to maybe throw five more times a game or something when he's been out. Mm-hmm. But like typically, you thought this game had had it gone a couple years ago, it would have been Washington twenty five carries or whoever running back one for SDSU twenty five for like one fifteen. This was an effort where the offense got going in that third quarter, turned it around, defense just shut down a Wyoming offense which. Is honestly, it's not that great. Like they can, they run very, quite well, but then again, like a third of the running rushing plays, total yards, excuse me, came on two plays. And yeah, so I mean, the, they're, on a per play basis, they're still the number one team in the conference running the football. Why? Well, I mean, yeah, okay. I'm just saying, like for this game specifically, most of their stuff came on like a few plays. Yeah, definitely. But, and so this, you play great defense too. And also, it should be noted, Missouri's five and one. Why don't we beat Missouri? Just saying. I think Missouri is like a top 10 team by SP plus now, <laughs> but it, they can't be in the poll. So it's like, where, who's this Missouri team? Why would we beat Missouri? Don't forget that folks. Well, and I think uh, Bill C put it out there. Like if they hadn't lost to Wyoming, that uh, they'd be within like a point and a half of, of eight in SP plus. <laughs> I mean, I think you're the ultimately looking forward for Wyoming. Like the conversation's really not going to change all that much because we kind of know what they are at this mm-hmm. point and it's just a matter of how those things are going to unfold you know depending on who they face from week to week like you know what worked really well against UNLV just didn't against San Diego State and they mm-hmm. they held they, I, I guess you would say that on a per play basis they held both teams in check but San Diego State was just able to do enough and they had a slightly better defense and, and so I, I just don't know I mean I think that there's plenty of opportunity to kind of hang in the mountain division race, especially when you consider the next two weeks are against New Mexico and Nevada, which they should be fine against. I think Nevada could be a little tricky because that offense is more explosive, but that's probably a win in my book, especially being in Laramie. It's definitely what you see is what you get. And, you know, like you mentioned, Sean Tabor's like, it's not that they don't have a passing game. It's just that, you know, we're six games into the season, seven weeks into the season. And, he still has just as much to prove when it comes to that element of his game. Yeah, so here's the thing why they probably are not going to win the Mountain Division at Boise, at Utah State, at Air Force. Three reasons why. No, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I think over the next couple of weeks we we may get to see – You know, it's definitely going to be a, a more of a proving ground for him in particular as a passer against both New Mexico and Nevada. Yeah, if he – comes out chambers goes three of 12 again or something like that it's like for me for what i'd like him to see like honestly if you were to go give me six of ten you know what i mean give me right above 50 percent that's all i'm asking for which is a low bar to set and if you if you throw the ball 10 times you better complete six of them exactly so that's what they need to do boise could be interesting if they can completely shut down boise's offense which i don't know if whoever's quarterback they can do that points will probably be at a premium but I think Boise should be able to break through, and their defense is good enough to force Wyoming to run and not be as successful as they would want to be. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you because we're pretty much wrapping up here. Um, I put up a thing on Twitter. When do you think Boise State will be a top 10 team, or if will they at all this year? Well, they didn't gain any ground in the AP poll. They got they're, jumped by Utah, still right? They're 14th. Yeah, Utah's 13th. Which I saw people Boise, how did they get jumped by Utah? Trust me, Utah's really good. Utah's pretty good. Especially when they get Zach Moss back, who I know they played Oregon State, so 
I get it. You can make your beaver jokes there about how bad they are. But when they had Zach Moss in there, he's arguably like a top five running back in the country. Quarterback has to throw to pick all year. So all they complain about, Utah jumped us. I'm like, with the loss, I'm like, yeah. I think both teams are pretty comparable. But it's whatever. I get why Utah probably jumped in, but don't. I wouldn't be too upset over that. Even just because I know they beat Oregon say like fifty to seven or something, but Utah, the USC loss is kind of fluky in my opinion. So don't feel too bad. But how many weeks do you think it'll take, or will they be there at all? Or, or a better question yet would be if they get there, it's I think it's more likely because teams above them lose rather than what Boise does in the field. Well, yeah, I was just about to say you can't really take something like that in isolation. Obviously, Boise is going to have to keep winning, but. As we just saw this week, you know there were more teams that jumped into the into the twenties and then got bounced right back out. Looking at you, Memphis. Uh, and they actually played a good team, right? They did, and, and now watch watch Tulane get bounced this week. Uh, hey, it should be noted: Missouri can be ranked in AP poll, and they're only twenty-two. Oh well, there you go. Only twenty-two. I mean, just taking a, a real quick glance at next week's schedule. Um, yeah, you know, we it's it's hard to pick out a goofy thing that might happen, like Georgia losing to South Carolina. Also, really quick, time out. Hold on. How is Florida only dropping two spots when they were yes, only two touchdown loss to LSU, but wasn't even close? I have no idea. <sighs> Come on, Brandon, you're lucky your Gators are in top ten. Just telling you. <laughs> Sorry, proceed with your commentary there. I was going to say, you know, maybe if Michigan beats Penn State, which is kind of a big if, Ugh, Michigan, and, as, and assuming that they wouldn't get jumped at that point. Um, but there's really not, I don't know. It's hard to see an opportunity where they're going to get, you know, any headway, at least for next week. Yeah. Because Utah, Arizona state, the winner is going to be ahead of Boise regardless. I would say, I think Arizona state would jump Boise state. Yeah. If they and beat then, Utah, you know, and Utah maybe, stay ahead. if Washington beats Oregon, they move up a spot. Yeah. They, that'd be the case. Yeah. That's um, not unlikely. It's in Husky stadium. So. Other than that, it's really hard to say. I mean, it's you never know what's going to happen in college football. Obviously, um, you know, maybe South Carolina holds serve at home against Florida this week. You know, I have no idea. It'll be a few weeks. I kind of I put like I put the next three weeks. I put not at all because they're a G five team. You basically got to like root for all the underdogs in the SEC at this point. It's like L in two weeks. LSU plays Auburn. There's an opportunity there. Ohio State plays Wisconsin, which will be huge. Maybe the loser of that which is still probably not likely. Michigan, Notre Dame, that could be something. Who knows with Washington State, how they can play the ball versus Oregon. There's a couple of changes, but it'll be it'll be a few weeks before something notable could happen where Boise wins with a couple losses here and there. But it's more likely a combo of them winning and somebody else losing ahead of them. Yeah. So, But do you think it'll happen this year? I mean, I, th- I think it could, yeah. Okay. All right, just curious because they're scheduled. All you got to do, do is keep winning and just uh, hope for a little chaos elsewhere. Yeah, because they got because they'll win. They'll beat BYU. They'll beat San Jose State. Probably Wyoming. Yes, I, well, more than likely Wyoming, but that's not, I'm not going to say it's a gimme no matter what. But I would say if they're going to be, t- I'll, I'll I'll say this date kind of just my guess after the New Mexico game in four games when they're sitting at ten and they'll be in the top ten. Yeah, it sounds about right. I think 10 or higher. So, anything else we need to add this week? I think we're good. Are we officially at midseason now? Yes, we are. Do we need to do some midseason things? Is that a responsibility we need to do or have? We, we may have to, yes. We may have to at some point. 
So maybe we'll do an extra podcast. Maybe we'll do some other site type stuff. So we'll look at that next day or two. But uh, yeah, thank you for listening to the show. Check us out at mwr.com. You know where to find us, iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you can find your podcast. Just search for us. We are there. The feed has synced up marvelously in one show. So that's awesome to see. And we'll be back uh, for, yeah, next week for maybe an extra show. We'll see. But we'll see you next time, folks.